Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. week i'm joined by owen hughes hello and brian plank good evening as we tackle the last week in film uh including a review of atomic blonde this week's new release um owen last week me and you watched sharknado 5 live mm-hmm. we did have you recovered just about have you recovered it was yeah fucking horrible that film uh yeah and you then you'd like look at it online and people are like oh how good you know it's really good all the reviews are like oh yeah this like silly parody was really really good you're like what yeah they, we weren't watching the same film there's always a chance you're reading reviews by idiots <laughs> it could just be that they're stupid yeah i mean i see i know but, why uh, people like stuff like sharknado i don't think that's in dis- it's just that that one was particularly awful like, mm. like we tried to explain on the podcast, Sharknado 2 is fine. It's before it became a parody of a parody. Um, but yeah, it was it was dire, wasn't it? it but was let's not bilge. let's not go over old ground. Um, let's not let's not dwell on it. No. Um, yeah, we're going to go straight into what we've been watching this week with uh, no no news as such and um, technical issues hampering a quiz. Mm. Um, we're just going to cut right to chase and review some films and maybe a bit of television. So yeah, so why don't you start us off with what you've seen this this week? Okay, yeah, I went to the cinema and saw this. Um, so technically, I mean, it is a new release, but uh, I am bunging it into this section so we can talk a little bit more in depth a bit later about Atomic Blonde. I saw earlier today Annabelle Creation, which is a film directed by David Sandberg, uh, and it's a prequel to Annabelle, which itself was a spin-off from Conjuring, the Conjuring universe films, as they're calling it, because every franchise now is a universe. Thanks, Marvel. Uh, I kind of hated Annabelle. I mean, the, considering The Conjuring and The Conjuring 2 are great for what not even just like great horror films i think they're really good movies both of them together um have either of you seen the conjuring have you got any kind of affiliation with the previous films in this series i've seen the conjuring i wouldn't mm-hmm. say i've got any close affiliation to it i've seen it mm. it was it was um reasonably good as far as modern horrors go okay I suppose. I've, I've not watched. Are you? I'm not a big horror I was going to say, man. you've got like an aversion to horrors anyway, generally, haven't you? You just um, don't 
don't get on with yes. them. That's fine. Uh, I would I would say that of the like kind of big budget um, James Wan esque. James Wan being the guy behind uh, Saw and Insidious and stuff like that. Um, the Conjuring are better told stories than a lot of the other builds they get dumped in with. You know, if you think of the Sinister series or stuff that comes out in the cinema that's like The Boy or uh, all those shitty looking generic kind of creepy haunted house horrors. That was exactly what Annabelle was. So my expectations for Annabelle creation were rock bottom. I actually think it was decent. It focused on... Uh, it, it was full of jump scares, which is a bit irritating, and they really overdo it with the demon creature. Like, it's so beyond conventional, it's just a cliche that the, the demon turns around and, what do you want? Your soul. And you think... <sighs> Yeah, all right, fine. But it was it felt like a classic horror film, so I'm going to forgive it some of the, the clichés because I don't think it was done in a... We're just box-ticking. You know, we're trying to make a film that will appeal to a, as wide a general 15-rated audience as possible and actually focusing on telling the story of how this um, doll came to be possessed. So it starts in 1945, and... Uh, two parents, their daughter, called B, is hit by a car. She dies. Twelve years later, that family, the two parents, are now living in their massive house and take on some uh, orphans. This adoption centre joins them. So I think it's set in 1957 from that point onwards. But yeah, so basically you've got all the same things as the rest of The Conjuring. You've got the creepy nun character who pops up in there. Uh, you've got the weird demon in the shadows. It really makes use of dark spaces. Like, in a lot of horror films, you have, like, the the person looking in the mirror. Behind them, there's a huge dark space, and always oh, there's something kind of... Is that, some pair, is that a pair of eyes peering through the darkness? In this, instead of just having lots and lots of repetition of that, uh, I think it just uses dark, open spaces uh, all the time. So it's not like a, a setup. It's just a, it kind of feels atmospheric, which is great. Uh, that kind of sense of uh, being lost uh, is also playing on the the characters because they're, they're all pretty much female characters, they're all young girls, young orphans. I mean, I don't really want to go on about the plot because I think something like this is if you're going to see it, you're going to see it because you like being scared witless. A lot of people in the cinema would. I had a couple of screams, a couple of. Um, not actually younger people. They were they were kind of older, middle aged, past middle aged kind of audience who were jumping and shouting and oh my god and stuff like that, which is actually kind of works for a film like this. Uh, but if you want a kind of jumpy horror that's kind of well written, very well directed, bit better than your average standard horror fare, then Annabelle Creation wasn't all that bad. I would even go so far as to recommend it if you're a fan of the other Conjuring films. So yeah, you'd say it's a a, a good. A good modern horror, or is it? Does it fall into the same traps as all the rest? Um, no, I mean it avoids a lot of the pitfalls of Annabelle. So Annabelle, for a start, has a very weak cast. I thought. Uh, I mean, the story of Annabelle is that there's a a mom who loses her baby, and then it's about the doll and the the, the longing to have a uh, to kind of fill that void. 
But actually, what it is is just schlocky, typical, generic, uh, paint-by-numbers, new-line cinema horror. Whereas Annabelle Creation, I think because it switches director to David Sandberg, there's a bit more to it, uh, in, even in terms of the way it, it looks. I mean, it's di- David Sandberg may seem familiar to people who enjoyed Lights Out from last year, which I still haven't seen. I saw the trailer for Lights Out and I thought, I do not want to watch that. That looks terrible. And then everyone I know who's seen it has assured me it's actually really good. So I think that perhaps, again, because Annabelle Creation trailer made it look schlocky and crap, uh, it might be just a victim of the studio and their marketing. Because, yeah, Annabelle Creation's, it's nowhere near the sort of lower rung uh, like, well, like I say, just generic crap that Annabelle was. So it's definitely got a different vibe about it. It's it's made by someone who knows horror films, basically, and knows what not to do at the right time rather than what to do at each point. Okay. Um, Brian, what have you seen this week? Since Atomic Blonde was uh, a comic book film with a female lead, I thought I'd watch another comic book film with a female lead. And it's 1995 Tank Girl. <laughs> I didn't get into Tank Girl until like last year when the the series just now got a little trilogy. The first part is called Two Girls, One Tank, which sort of sets a tone for what Tank Girl is all about. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the one that's just finished is World War Tank Girl. It's Tank Girl fighting Nazis, including classic lines of dialogue like, where the fuck have these fuck fuck Nazis come from? So... It's not particularly clever. It's not particularly big. It's silly and bold. And I thought, I'll go in with low expectations because I wouldn't expect uh, an adaptation in 1995 of an indie comic to be particularly good. And it wasn't particularly good. Like, (laughs) it's all right. It's a weird film, though. The, The general story is it's middle, early... 21st century, and there's no more water. Uh, like there's not been rain for 11 years. One country, or one company, because it's the future, so corporations control everything. One company controls all the water, headed by Mark McDowell, and he's doing um, proper scenery chewing villain stuff. If you imagine Christopher Lloyd from Who Framed Roger Rabbit, that's what he's doing. Um, and in that, Tank Girl gets drawn into adventures and carnage, and she's basically playing a bit of a Harley Quinn sort of figure. It's got Naomi Watts in it, mm-hmm. although she's not proud of it at all. She's sort of disavowed <laughs> it. And the, the, the Tank Girl writers have also sort of disavowed it because they said, right, here's our plan. And lots of it were hacked to bits. There's a lot of the establishing shots or transitions between scenes are animated, mm-hmm. either with like big expensive cartoon animation, or we'll literally take a panel and we'll, we'll zoom in and we'll, we'll cut because it's still punky. But it's just put a picture up on the screen. And I thought, is this because they don't have the budget? Is this because they're trying to say, oh, it's a comic book, we'll stick to comic book roots? No, actually, they forgot to film some parts of it 
So they had to go back in and fill in the gaps using pictures. It, it wasn't adapted particularly well in terms of, we want to do it this way. Yeah, yeah, oh wait, we can't do that. Like they spent five, yeah, $5,000 uh, on a prosthetic penis for one of the characters. Oh, okay, spend $5,000, 10 inches long, the magic. No, no, you, you can't use that. Mm. Don't put that in the film. Well, oh, it will be essential, like, like <laughs> your mum and dad. Like, no, no, don't do that. Um, reading about it is interesting. Like, I didn't actually interesting to see. This must have been half nightmare, half fun, half, oh my God, this isn't what I thought I was doing when I said I was going to turn my book into a film. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd love to hear what the the creators think about it. Now, Alan Martin, who's still writing it, and Jamie Hewitt, who is, he's in Gorillaz, like not, he's not a musician in Gorillaz, is he? He's just the artistic director. I have no idea. Yeah, I couldn't tell you. And the, the design for Gorillaz is all Jamie Hewitt stuff. Um, and they were a bit upset about, that's not what we wanted, that's not what we wanted. Because um, it was cut to bits and butchered to bits. It's moderately amusing. Bits are quite fun. Laurie Petty's very good in it. There's bits where the film like grinds to a halt in the middle to do a song and dance number and thought this okay, it's a silly film. When you remind yourself where it's come from, it's a tonally a relatively faithful adaptation. It's just not been done particularly well. If you've got a spare hour and forty five, which I felt was kind of long, it's worth a watch just to satisfy your curiosity. And to see what did Naomi Watts look like in 1995. Basically, like Naomi Watts, she's not aged. Not at all, has she? She still looks exactly the same. It's weird. Laurie Petty looks pretty much the same as well. Just like Laurie Petty, but older. Because she's in Orange is the New Black. Black. Mm. Ice-T looks kind of different uh, without his kangaroo nose and ears. (laughs) Just a bit, I suppose. Yeah. It's It's so very 90s i think that the like you said the animation is what makes it feel like it was most definitely a film released in 1995 and no other year possible my first thought was this like they're doing angley's hulk thing where it's like oh it's a comic book <laughs> go do comic book stuff what was this no we fucked up <laughs> Shit. Yeah. i thought it was all stylistic like create artistic creative choice by the directors but that's quite <laughs> that's quite funny it just like fucked it. I think it, it's a way to get out of a yeah. hole. Um, but yeah, it, it was stylish at least. Mm. Like you wouldn't mistake it for too many other films. It knows what it wants to be. It just doesn't do that particularly well. That's fair. So this week I um, watched for the first time in a hell of a long time, watched the from 1995 Bad Boys starring Martin Lawrence and will smith uh, as two uh detectives from miami who have to take down a, a drug cartel or drug ring um whichever you prefer I, also obviously the sequel bad boys 2 i didn't realize they were made eight years apart two, 2003 was bad boys 2 that surprised me somewhat what? i thought they were a lot closer together um, I thought they were further apart than that. I thought Bad Boys Two was much later. No, there's a, there's a new Bad Boys coming out, um, but I thought Bad Boys Two was much closer to Bad Boys than than eight years. Um, anyway, I think 
with this film, we're at peak Lawrence and peak Smith. Um, mm. and, and, and maybe even peak Taylor Leone, because she's in it as well. Um, and let's be honest, she, she's not really gone uphill since then. Um, but around mm. this time for, for, uh, for Will Smith, around this era, you're getting uh, Independence Day and, and Men in Black and Enemy of the State. And I, th- I think you're kind of at peak Smith. And and Martin Lawrence probably only does bad boys films because he needs the money. Now, it's not like his career went uh, really well, is it? Mm. Um, how many how many Big Mama's House films did we have? <laughs> yeah, too many. Well, we're definitely on to three. We've definitely had three Big Mama's House. So uh, have you have you seen them all? Would you who would you rank them? No, I've I've seen one, <laughs> and that is quite frankly enough. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's all right. The first one isn't that bad. The joke wears thin quite easy, but it's all right. It's all right. It's watchable. And then, the, yeah. Um, but yeah, Bad Boy. So it's these. It's, uh, Will Smith, Martin Lawrence's two two cops uh, or two detectives who have to take down a, a drugs ring to kind of save their own job as, as much as anything else. Um, it's just fun, isn't it? It's just big budget action uh, explosions, car chases. The rapport between Will Smith and Martin Lawrence is actually quite good. They do play well off of each other, um, and like the banter between them um, uh, and the one-liners and the jokes, they they work well. But it is just, yeah, it's what you want from like a big budget kind of blockbuster, uh, not gritty detective um, film, but like just an action guns shooting everywhere um kind of caricature characters of drug lords and miami and yeah i just i forgot how much i liked it till i watched it again i hadn't watched it for some time i i saw it not too long ago for the first time maybe even like two or three years ago uh i think that was the the first time ever or the first time i was gonna say the first time ever or the first time in a long time the first time ever and right. I wasn't hugely impressed by it. But to be fair, some of the Bayisms in it, you know, they get used as an example a lot of the, you know, the, the sort of rotating cameras and the different angles that Bay uses and everything. Oh, and, yeah. Yeah. We we might well be at peak Bay with this as well. Yeah. And it's, it's like, to be honest. Like the time, the time where he's doing this in Armageddon. Uh, yeah. Kind of at peak Wait, Bay. Do you mean peak Bay is in best Bay or is in the base Bay? I would best say, Bay. Oh, I would say the, no. No, Best Bay is a rock. Yeah. Best no, Bay's but I mean, not not this film. I mean this this era. Mm. This right. this time period is peak Bay. Not yeah. not this film particularly because he's better. If you're sick or not, I'll fight you if you say the rock. <laughs> no, the the, the 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 best film he's done is the rock. Yeah. We don't question, but the um, yeah. Uh, although, although I do like Pain and Gain, Pain and Gain's quite good. Yeah. I, I would argue I enjoyed Pain and Gain more than the others, uh, but The Rock is his technically I would I suppose his best film. But yeah, no, I wasn't I wasn't that impressed with Bad Boys. I thought from a technical point, you you can see this is the the film where he kind of perfected his techniques, um, in so much as they are perfect for him, I suppose. But yeah, I just didn't enjoy it. I just didn't think it was as fun as everyone kept making it. I think uh, maybe because I watched it too on. late, you know. If I'd have seen it when I was yeah. younger, um, or 
you know, if I was a, a cop in a small village and I made friends with some lonely guy and we stuck it on. Yeah, the hot, the hot fuzz yeah. thing's That's quite funny. That, thanks for picking up on that. Has, has ruined the idea of bad boys. No. <laughs> uh, yeah. go, go, going back to The Rock briefly, have, have you both heard the fan theory that The Rock is Michael Bay doing a Bond film? Because Sean Connery's character yeah. in it is a, 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 a like an ex-British agent, mm. therefore he's James Bond. Well, I've heard that Mason essentially was Bond. I, I like the idea of that, and I choose to believe it. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. So I will get round to watching Bad Boys Two soon as well because um, yeah, I want to see if that one is is uh, is just as much fun as I remember that one being. And I am looking forward to to Bad Boys Three, and I've just seen there is actually Bad Boys Four planned as well. Yeah, um, that's a lot of bad boys. Are they shooting them back to back? Uh, I am be honest. I don't know. We would have thought it would be part one and then part two if they were doing something like that. Well, let me uh, let me tell you, Owen. It's mm-hmm. um, it's titled Bad Boys for Life, isn't it? The next one. Yeah, Bad Boys for Life. Why is that not the fourth um, one? Exactly. Isn't that irritating? <laughs> Yeah, but like bad boys, two bad two boys, then the third one, then bad boys for <laughs> life. Oh, that's so stupid. <laughs> bad boys three yeah, for life. Is, the third one the third one is bad boys for life. Bad boys four is uh uh scheduled for two thousand and nineteen. Uh, it's been moved to Memorial Day to avoid competition with the Spider Man sequel. Um, there was also a video game uh, called Bad Boys Miami Takedown. Based on Bad Boys Two, um, but I didn't know that before now. So I will, uh, I will get onto yeah. my retro game contacts and get a copy and play it immediately. Could be for PS4 as well as um, uh, Smith and Lawrence being back for Bad Boys for Life and Bad Boys Four. So is Michael Bay. He's directing them both. Joy. So we might be past Peak Smith, Lawrence, and Bay for these ones, but uh, I'm still optimistic. Isn't that? Hasn't he just? said he's not doing any more Transformers or he's not directing anymore yeah he's not going to direct them he'll just yeah. keep producing them so Transformers might get interesting now or at least average no he's still producing let's settle yes. for mediocre first yeah yeah right very 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 short quiz which which Spice Girls auditioned for the role of Tank Girl uh, I'll take either the Spice name or their real name <laughs> Bunton Jerry. There's one more. Sporty. Uh, scary. No. Posh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just all imagine what a Victoria Adams tank girl would be like. And go. Was she Victoria I, Adams then or was she Victoria Beckham by then? David yeah, Beckham wasn't right, David Beckham wasn't. by then. <laughs> that was pre-Beckham, wasn't it? That was that was pre-halfway line chip. Yep. Or lob. Was it chip or it a lob? Yeah, yeah. The, the lobs that destroyed Carpet Borsby's career. About two or weeks after the lobs that made it. Time now for us to review this week's new release, which is uh, Atomic Blonde. Uh, we will have a short spoiler alert section for this film, uh, but we will let you know when that is coming. Um, so, yeah, I didn't manage to see this film uh, due to illness and falling asleep um 
before I was meant to go. I even booked the ticket and everything, but it was luckily it's Cine World Unlimited, so I didn't really lose out on anything. It's, it's just but, you getting old. Yeah, <laughs> maybe that. I mean, why don't you tell us all about Atomic Blonde? I can tell you about Atomic Blonde, yeah. So it's directed by David Leach, who is a stuntman-turned-director, which probably gives you an idea about how the film uh, and the plot plays out because there's a lot of set-piece action scenes. Um, If his name is kind of familiar, it's probably because he was the guy who directed John Wick in 2014, the first John Wick film. And uh, I would say that... It, they do have a lot of similarities, John Wick and Atomic Blonde. It's not quite the the John Wick with Charlize Theron that some people have made it out to be. Uh, but I still think there are a lot of similarities in at least tone um, and story. Do you think that's kind of fair, Brian? Well, they they did train together. Mm. Charlize Theron and Keanu Reeves, they did a bit of sparring slash training together yeah that's true but i don't i don't think it's necessarily the film is just john wick with a woman instead of keanu yeah because there's there's a a lot less shooting there's a lot less shooting and it's it's a much smaller scale Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm yeah the atomic blonde is all quite tight so it's set in 1989 in berlin as the wall is about to fall charlie theron plays an undercover British MI6 agent sent to uh, retrieve a list of identities of secret agents that's about to be... Well, it's been stolen, could be revealed. They don't know who's going to sell it to who and they have to track it down and yada, yada, yada. I don't think it's actually that important. I think all you need to know about Atomic Blonde is there's a spy who's chasing a thing and a person. And that's all That's all that you really need to know going in. Um because the, the film itself, I think, builds around lots of turning points. There's lots of twists in this. Um, but it's also, that's kind of the point. It's a mystery thriller, so it reveals little bits of information. It allows you to kind of build up your ideas in your head of what you think might be happening. Flips those upside down. Uh, well, I'd say it attempts to flip those upside down for you. Make you rethink everything that's gone before. And even by the end, I think, makes you rethink, did any of that make any sense? Probably a f- couple of flips too many. Uh, but it was a lot of fun. It was, it was quite entertaining. Uh, I, loved, I loved Charlize Theron in it. I thought she was fantastic as the kind of yep. cool, sexy uh, spy. I you seemed like you were in it. agreement. Oh, yeah. I went into thinking, this will at least have, from what's seen in, in the trailers, a creative amount of violence. And it did. Uh, the the bit at the start where she beats someone in a car with her shoe and then unbuckles the driver, grabs under seatbelt and makes them <laughs> crash. Like, yeah. There are yes. bits in the film I went with a pal and there are bits in the film where I went, ha, 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 like, this is cool. <laughs> and bits went, oh, 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 Jesus. Yeah. Because it's... And, and the, I think part of why it's like that is the sound design. I think because it's everything sounds so hard hitting. Um, mm-hmm. It's again like John Wick, I suppose, because you know the stuff in John Wick, like when uh, when Keanu Reeves falls off the balcony and he hits his back flat on the floor in the nightclub, and that you feel the impact watching that. I think this also has a lot of those heavy, high impact scenes that make you kind of squirm and twinge a bit. Uh, 
it's yeah, the, it's the bit where James McAvoy gets stabbed in the back. And A, <laughs> he he pushes back against the wall and goes, ah! But then he spends <laughs> the next 20 seconds flailing because it's that bit just between the shoulder blades. Yeah. Was it meant to be funny? Because we were in fits of giggles. I think so. I think part of it is the... Uh, it, it's that black humour, isn't it? Mm-hmm. But yeah. we, we thought it was like if Timothy Dalton's Bond was a woman. Because it's not, ah, I'll throw you through a window, then you can jump up and fight me. It's a throw you through a window and you go, oh, I've gone through a window. What weighs up? Mm. Sophia Batella felt like a Bond girl as well, to just tie in yeah. with that theme, I thought. Yes, she, she could have been. Well, if you compare that to like the, the train fight inspector, uh-huh. which was just cartoon nonsense, this yep. was equally cartoonish, but serious cartoonish. Mm-hmm. Like it's excessive violence, but if you did excessive violence to someone, that's what looks more like how it would work. How it would work. Do you think David Leach is basically putting his um, hat into the ring for a Bond film? Then do you think it'd be a good choice? Possibly. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if that was his intention, but I, I definitely got those those same vibes as well. I, 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 as well as that, actually, I should say, it's got a really good supporting cast. Um, we mentioned James McAvoy. Mm-hmm. I, I always like James McAvoy. I've got to be honest, I, I do like yep. James McAvoy. Uh, and as David Percival, the double agent. Or is he? Or is he? Mm. Yeah, there was a line at the beginning of the film, which uh, when John Goodman and um, Toby Jones are interviewing Charlize Theron, because it's kind of a non-linear story, isn't it? They, type, they, they keep cutting back to this interrogation uh, of Charlize Theron about what happened in Berlin. And they describe James McAvoy as basically treating this 1989 Berlin as uh, the Wild West. And I thought, if mm-hmm. they'd have ran with... It. Yeah, if they'd have ran with that just a little bit more, if they'd have played up on that Wild West theme... I think they could have given Berlin a little bit more character. Uh, well, like Charlie Stone walks into a jazz bar and the piano player in the stops. corner stops. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Maybe. Mm. No, but I mean, like, it was... Um, it it kind of lacks a real villain, a strong bad guy. Uh, I, I forget the name of the actor now who was playing the... Uh, the uh, Stasi guy. I think he was menacing in a couple of scenes, like when he beat that guy with a skateboard. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was I... quite grim. Oh, um, and having a soundtrack to Nina. That was... Yeah, inevitable, I thought. Yeah, but I, I like the bit at the start where I thought, this is going for like a... a oh, wasn't the, weren't the 80s fun and stylish? And mm. the, the first bit we see a shall we throw on is a she's drinking her own bath water that's mm-hmm. not particularly sexy no <laughs> but also she she's got a, a polaroid but it's the perfect polaroid selfie and so mm-hmm. a polaroid camera show us the the 20 other ones where you've just got the top of their heads <laughs> i thought this is what 2017 thinks the 80s were like and they're better i thought oh, the 80s weren't this 80s <laughs> um but yeah, yeah I, I, I like period films like that. To say, let, let's put a story in, give it a style and a theme and an ethos. I think that Berlin was the villain. 
Okay. Not the, not the study officer, but this, this situation that you put people in in an oppressive city and they're caught up in the middle of a whole world of politics going on around them. You mm. don't need a man to represent that. No, that's it doesn't point. need to be mm-hmm. Charlie's versus Astasi, it's Charlie's versus East versus West. And it's how people who are caught up in the middle try to make their way out of it. They either get their head down and carry on or they become. Um, they go all native, mm. or they just smash people uh, with glasses. Yeah, I mean, but and like, I totally, I get that point. But like, when she is going around kicking butt, it's but it's pretty much kicking nameless, faceless people's butts. There, there are and a lot it, of red shirts in it. Yeah, Nori goes, oh, fucking show him. It's just mm. this is more cannon fodder or shoe fodder. But nevertheless, she did dispatches them with. With style, I did like the uh, hose pipe scene. Um, oh yeah, like mm. it felt like watching the first Bourne film. Years watching, and thinking, I haven't seen someone do this before. Like, yeah, I haven't seen someone take a newspaper, fold it in half, and break someone's nose with it. I haven't seen someone get a lot of garden hose and just whip people with it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that was that was quite cool. Uh, shame we didn't get more of Eddie Marsden. I, I always like Eddie Marsden. He's good uh, value. Yeah, he's really good. Uh, plays the um, defecting Stasi officer, uh, Spyglass. Again, just would have preferred more of him at the. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, otherwise, I don't really have much to say apart from it was really just a lot of fun. I think there was a lot of it which were we can talk about in spoiler alert, but a lot of it kind of seems to be. Um, because it is hinged on all of these twists, as I, as I mentioned earlier, you kind of you are tempted to keep predicting them before they happen, uh, which yeah, I, is I, part of the fun, perhaps. Is trying to figure it all out as it's going on. Yeah, I leaned over to my friend at one point when it's this. It mm, wasn't that. Mm, that's fine. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, before, as we're going to do a, a spoiler alert, we'll do some recommendations quickly now to end the podcast for those people who don't want Atomic Blonde uh, spoiled. I'm going to go for something that's new onto Netflix, which is uh, Zero Dark Thirty. Uh, Owen? Um, last week I mentioned a film that I watched called Blood Diner, which we'd had the um, screener off from uh, Vestron. Return of the Living Dead 3 is really good and this is a really good restoration of it it's directed by brian usner um the guy who worked on things i mean i know him from stuff like from beyond and reanimator 2 uh and stuff like that he also is the guy who wrote honey i shrunk the kids so (laughs) i don't know whether that was his most commercial film but he directed return of the living dead 3 the restoration is fantastic it looks just amazing um i forgot just how clever and interesting the story is they took this franchise which in return of the living dead 2 was just cartoonish and naff and goofy and quite honestly rubbish uh return of the living dead 3 decided to focus specifically on the person as they turn into the zombie full of like fantastic body horror really awesome special effects that they used in this um it comes out on blu-ray and dvd on the 28th of august uh, got a great audio commentary from um, Brian Yusner and some of the special effects people. Lots and lots of interviews, theatrical trailers, that kind of thing. So if you're tempted, do that. If you're at Fright Fest, it's being screened 
uh, on the 25th of August. So you can book tickets at frightfest.co.uk if you wanted to. But yeah, Return of the Living Dead 3. It was um, a lot better than uh, than I remembered. Okay, Brian? Can I go for two? One I just found yeah. is because of the 20th anniversary of Brass Eye, there's uh, a film called The Oxide Ghosts, The Brass Eye Tapes, which is touring independent cinemas near you in September, October, and November. It's behind the scenes and unbroadcast material of Brass Eye from the personal archive of one of the creators. And if you're lucky, uh, the director, Michael Cumming, will be speaking at your event. He's definitely doing the one in Edinburgh. I don't know about ones in Birmingham. Well, Birmingham ones are sold out, sorry. But yeah, that could be useful. The other one is to coincide with the Edinburgh Fringe. There's a new series of live from BBC uh, on iPlayer. If you want to stand up from Josie Long, Sarah Pascoe, John Robbins, three other folk, worth watching. Okay. Um, so that's all for recommendations. For those of you not coming along on spoiler alert, that's all for this week's podcast. Just a short one for you. Um, you can go back and listen to the best bits of Sharknado 5 if you like. <laughs> um, yeah. oh, and what have we got coming up next week? Um, because the Dark Tale is out and looks like it's going to be bobbins, um, we're going to do a Stephen King triple bill. Uh, but Fair also, also out next week is the hit well this week is the hitman's bodyguard so that might be a bit better we'll try and get that reviewed as well at some point i think in that episode yeah um so yes that's all for this week's fail critics podcast thank you for listening as always uh and we'll be back in about a week with another one um but up next is our uh spoiled review or uh, sorry um spoiler alert review of atomic blonde Failed Critics Podcast is presented by Steve Norman and Owen Hughes, with contributions from different guests every week, with original music provided by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com from the track The Bandit, remixed by James Yule, who you can find at jamesyule.com. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Failed Critics, on iTunes and all good podcast apps, or you can check us out at failedcritics.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and leave a rating or a review. And why not check out our sister podcasts, Character Unlock, and Field and Mullinger's Underground Nights from the failed media network of podcasts. Thanks for listening. Uh, so, Brian, I think you wanted to, to uh, particularly talk about the ending right. in Atomic Blonde. Owen, you said there's one twist too many. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. It... Yeah, you agree? <laughs> oh, yeah, because... Right. Spoiler. She's looking for... Charlize's brief in Berlin is to find Satchel, who's a double agent who's been yep. leaking more than anyone else. The film sets up, here's all the clues, it's James McAvoy, it's James McAvoy. So you know it can't be James McAvoy. Does it, a, Does it do that? Yeah. It like, can't be McAvoy because A, it's giving all the clues, and B, there's like a meta story in the framing device, so it has to be someone in the room when they're doing the interview. Mm. It's either Tehran or it's Toby Jones, which is where my money went, or it's John Goodman. Mm-hmm. So, you know, right, I, I know I'm being sent one way, they want him to go the other one. And then it reveals that she's Satchel. Okay. And then it reveals that she's working with the Russians. So, right, stop, 
right there because you have made me watch a film where the goodie I've been cheering for was actually a villain. Mm -hmm. If we're going by East West, good guy, bad guy side. Leave it at that because you've turned the yep. film upside down. But don't worry, actually, she's she's not a British goodie. She's an American goodie, so it's fine. It's like, no, give me. No, I didn't like that either. This, give me this baddie who I cheered just because she's one of us, even though she's spies are horrible people. Make me feel, make me question my support for her. But it, it did that for two minutes and took it away from me. Yeah, I felt the same way. I thought that, I mean, although, like, see, this is the thing. I saw little things that made me think, she's Russian then, she's going to be the Russian spy. She's going to be working for the Russians. It's just little things that they drop in that seem really innocuous, but actually, like, she drinks vodka. She drinks lots of vodka, mm -hmm. probably Russian. She escapes from her um, wannabe murderers through a cinema, which is showing Stalker you know, by Tarkovsky. It's like, okay, so she's running, she's avoiding them in this, like, Russian film. She breaks through the Russian film screen. And it's just like, there's lots of little things that it drops in there as you're watching it. Well, I felt like, okay, so she's Russian. This is going to be the twist. And it kept building to that. I didn't necessarily think, well, maybe she is Satchel. But, um, so I, I thought it could be anybody. You're right, I felt like it was the same in the room. Uh, I thought it might have been John Goodman um, because he seemed to be master manipulator. So I thought perhaps it's him. But um, yeah, so I, I all the way through, I thought she's Russian. Then it gets to that end bit and it drops that bombshell that, no, she's she's American. She's working for Goodman. It's like, oh, but that, that doesn't add anything. If you'd have ended the film with, it, with it, her... No, it just detracts. It, it detracts precisely, yeah. Um, but if you end with McAvoy with Satchel, you go, okay, fair enough. And when she was yeah. Satchel, okay, she was Satchel and she kills her handlers and is now getting on a plane to go out somewhere else, have a nice, lovely life. Good, you have changed the film I just watched. Yeah. What to say, nah, she's... she's yeah, because it's like scenes where John Goodman... Yeah, John Goodman arrives in Berlin, doesn't he, and gives her a, a note. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, why would they keep up the pretense? Why would they both meet, pretending they don't know anything, treat each other like that, uh, when actually they're both on the same side? It's that then makes you think. Well, it doesn't that doesn't actually make any sense? Oh. Which is why I said it's like fun to watch as it goes along, and then just at the end, just forget about trying to make sense of the rest of it. Yeah, it's, but it it could have been an ending that we would have spoken about in two years' time. As oh, do you remember when? Mm. Mm -hmm. but no I I don't understand why they just have to take stuff away from the film to make it better so yeah. they had to, to add a scene in that they didn't shoot you had the film there I watched the film and then you made it worse P.S. Romeo and Juliet got happily married and lived long lives and had a <laughs> no that's not how it goes yeah. that's, that's not yeah. what the story is yeah mm. That is uh, now it for this week's Failed Critics podcast. Um, but thank you all for listening. As we said at the end of the, the main bit before the spoiler alert, next week is a Stephen King movie triple bill. Um, yeah, so thank you all for listening and we'll be back next week. Bye.
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm. 